0: Always winter, but never Christmas. A few months ago, I kind of asked you um, if fall was your favorite season or if you had a favorite season, and your response is more than lackluster, so I'm going to do it again, all right? I'm going to ask you what your favorite season is. Spring, just curious. Okay, a few springs. Summer, summer. All right, a few summers, fall, more fall. All right, all right. So if you were a fall person, you fall into the normal category. About 33% of the population likes fall more than any other time of the year, of course, because it's football season, right? (laughs) Leaves are fall, all that fun stuff. So most people like fall, the majority of the people that take this Quiz, I guess, from my research, the like fall. Now, if you raise your hand for winter, you're an oddball. Some of you are getting ready to go south for the winter, so you're proving my point. Only about seven percent of the population would vote that winter is their favorite time of year, and I think there's a number of reasons for it. Right? Some people feel like they're confined through their homes. It gets Dark during the winter, um, and so depression sets in on a lot of people during the winter time because of the way the season changes, because of the cold, because of the darkness, because of the lack of sun, and from seasonal affective disorder. And what it actually does to you during this time of year, it makes you sad. Right? Get that? See, yeah, okay. But so, what we want to do this morning, what I'm going to do this morning, is kind of look at the metaphor of winter. If you look back on ancient societies, they looked at the seasons and they used them as kind of metaphors for life. Uh, So the spring was a time to to cultivate the soil. It was a time to to work and to prepare. Summer was a time for for harvest and celebration and so forth. And winter really marked a time of struggling. It marked a time of darkness, of even maybe hopelessness and and fear. And these are the seasons that people kind of went through and they thought about life And this way, uh, Yoko Ono even uh, penned kind of a a poem that I'm sure ended up being a song that says, spring passes and one remembers one's innocence. Summer passes and one remembers one's exuberance. Autumn passes and one remembers one's perseverance. And so winter, because of its very nature, kind of makes us think about our own perseverance and our need for strength and to move forward when it's difficult and, and, and we need a determination uh, in, inside of us. And so when we think about perseverance or when we think about winter, we need to think about this idea of doing something right in our lives that despite the difficulty or despite the delay that we're going to need to, to kind of achieve per, a success. So we need perseverance in our lives. So I just gave you the definition there, but I think it's exemplified in this way. Some of you no, Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill was the great leader of uh, the, the British Kingdom during the time of World War II. And if you know a little bit about World War II, the, the German army was really kind of taking it to England at, at this point in time in 1941. And so he's trying to give a lot of speeches and trying to encourage people uh, to kind of stick with it. We need to defeat the Germans. We need to remain strong. And he returned to his own alma mater and he gave a speech on October ninth, 1941, in the midst of darkness and really kind of little hope, and they, as they were suffering a lot of defeats. And this is what he told them. And I imagine like he's smoking a cigar, right, when he's doing this, of course. But he says, "Never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never in nothing great or small, large or petty. Never get in except to the convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force, might of the enemies." And so what uh, Churchill was saying here to these young people that he was speaking to at his alma mater is in spite of the German power and in spite of the great evil that is going on, never give up because the Germans can and must be defeated. To be honest, this is the kind of determination that it takes to move forward and to move on in all seasons of life. And this is what Faith is in us. It's telling us to never give up, never give give in, even when it seems like the the enemy has all the advantages. And this morning, we're continuing this series called "Simple Faith," and so I want to kind of remind us this morning of what simple faith does in the realm of perseverance and why we need perseverance, or why we need simple faith or faith to persevere. You see, because everybody needs something that keeps them going. People don't just persevere to persevere. They're always persevering for a reason. And for fear, because we have faith in Christ. Hebrews 1.11 puts it like this. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. I, I think one of the reasons uh, that, people, that, that, that people don't move forward or people don't persevere is because they lack confidence. Uh, And winter is kind of an expression of people lacking confidence. Uh, People are a little unsure. You know, in the past, people used to, are we gonna have enough to eat? Are we gonna be able to stay warm enough? Is winter going to end on time to plow the ground and get everything ready? Uh, But for us, winter may make us unsure of other things. One of the benefits of pastoring a multi-generational church, of having people of all ages, is I get to hear how difficult winter becomes as you age, and sometimes even in life, you think like, "Oh, as you age, things should get easier. You should wor- you shouldn't worry about certain things." But of course, you worry about things all throughout your life. But one of the things that winter does, especially to those who age, is it makes it more difficult to get out. It makes people more unsure of their footing as they begin to walk. As it gets icy or slick out, and as it gets dark, it gets harder to drive. And so, winter kind of it it, it exemplifies this unsurety. I'm not sure if that's a word, but being unsure of yourself during this time of year. And the opposite of being unsure or not being confident is assurance. And what we're told in Hebrews one here, or Hebrews 11:1, 1, is that to, to get assurance, we have to have faith. And our faith is in Christ himself. We don't have faith in faith, we have faith in Christ. And so simple faith if you're taking notes this morning, inspires us to have the confidence that we need to persevere. So perseverance is inspired by confidence. Now, if you have faith in Christ, you can live confidently. You can live with confidence during this world. You may not know at all some unsure feelings in your mind or in your heart, but one of the things that you can be sure of is that this world is not your home. And so, no matter what comes your way, or no matter what happens to you, you are moving along. And the assurance that Christ gives us, knowing that He is at work for us and in us, that He is going to give us victory in the end. That in the end, you are, are, are going to be with Christ, and you are going. He is walking with you. That should give you some freedom. That should free up your soul a little bit. That should free up your mind a little bit to do the things that God has called you to do. Faith is seeing what others can't see. For those who don't have faith, you can see something that they can't see. You can see and you know that Christ is working in you and working for you. You can know that Christ is walking alongside of you. You see, everybody else who doesn't have faith in Christ, they are walking by sight. You are walking through what your heart can see. And through the power of the Holy Spirit and that you know that God is walking with you and he is working things out for you, for your good. Hebrews, and um, Hebrews 11, we're given the example of Abraham. Abraham is really kind of the, the, the person to look towards. The person who embodies the kind of faith that we need to persevere. In eleven eight 8 uh, through 10, we're told this. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was received not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And so what you see, Abraham here, he has a call from God. God calls him out. What he calls him to do is actually just very simply to walk by faith. Abraham, you are going to go, and you're going to go to another city, another land, another nation, and give you something that you haven't seen yet, and that something then is going to carry over into the next generation, into the next generation, into the next generation, and all the world is going to be blessed through you. And Abraham basically says, okay, God, I'll do it. And he has, he has no idea of really what is going to happen or even necessarily where he's going to go. He just starts walking. Why? Because he has a call on his life and he knows that God has spoken to him and that God is going to walk with him. Well, the truth is, is you have a call on your life too. The moment you decide to follow Jesus Christ, you have a call on your life to follow Christ. And so each and every step that you take, God is with you and he is moving you towards the city of God as well. You, you, you may not be able to see it as clearly as you would like, but God is moving you in that direction. And we as Christians, what we do is we look forward to the promise that is given to us, that no matter what our life is right now, or even in spite of all the things that we can see that, that don't seem to be progressing in our lives, God promises good for us if we walk with him. Now, I want to direct your attention um, this morning to John three sixteen. This is a verse that many of you know, um, and, right, maybe you have memorized. It's probably the most popular verse in the Bible. And, you know, some of you may even, you come to a sermon, you're like, John 3, 16, again? Um, right? But I, what we're trying to do over Advent is really just look at our faith really simply, like some really just season. Sometimes we want to overcomplicate things or forget the importance of the simple truths in lives that we need to hold in our heart, And so if you've never read John 3.16, right, it's the, the big verse that everybody's holding at uh, the football game in the end zone. It's what Tim Tebow used to put over his, under his eyelids and all of those sorts of things. But here it is. It's John 3.16. I just want to look at this simply. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal Life. I, I want you to see this. I gave you an equation this morning just to simply see it in your notes, just to be reminded of this, right? So that you would be confident in Christ. Right? Here's what this verse teaches us, right? God's love right, plus our faith equals eternal life, right? Our faith equals eternal life. Right, there's no small print here. There's nothing like this disqualifying that. Right? It's Jesus does it all, and we just need to have faith in him, and we get eternal life. It's not Jesus plus the right job. It's not, not Jesus plus the right family. It's not Jesus plus the right grades. It's not Jesus and a big house. Right? It's, it's just Jesus and our belief in him, equal eternal life. Recently, children they're teaching them this concept. And so she was asking the children, she said, so if I give away everything I own, if I give it to the poor and sell all my possessions, will I go to heaven? And the children screamed, no. (laughs) Then she asked again, so what if I give my car away, my house away, if I um, uh, uh, move away and become a man? Will that get me into heaven? And all the kids screamed, No. said, Well, let me ask again. What must I do to get to heaven? And a boy in the back screamed, You got to be dead. (laughs) Uh, The truth is, right, you got to believe. You got to believe. Uh, And that means anybody can do it. That's the beauty of this. No matter who you are, no matter your past, right, no matter your future, you you just have to believe. Anybody can be headed for heaven. God came because he so loved the world. And that means you. That means you. And so if you are in a winter and if you are, are struggling or if you have struggled in the past, what this means is that God can overcome your winter. What this means is that God can forgive your past. And during Christmas, what we've got to do during this season, we have to like, put aside everything else that is going on, that isn't going our way, or that isn't going exactly how we would like. And we have to remember the promise of God if we're going to move forward, if you're going to persevere. You have to believe in Christ, and you have to be confident in Christ. and That's what it means to have Christ. So first and foremost right simple faith inspires us to need to look at another aspect here of hebrews 1 11 and simple faith in this way will remind us to persevere because we have hope because we have hope i remember listening to one of my history professors and he had a friend uh, come over from uh europe or it was actually um england so he had him come over and he, he asked him he said so what sticks out to you about Americans or about America? And he said two things. And he said the first, it's like Americans are generally optimistic. Like they believe like tomorrow can be better than today. Like things are are generally going to get better. And so my professor kind of, you know, talked about a little bit, well, it has to do a lot with kind of our basic history as the United States. We have a heavy Puritan influence within our culture. And so basically we believe, right, if if you work hard and trust in God, that things basically will get better over time. This kind of a basic cultural understanding, even if you don't believe that, though maybe leaving a little bit, but it's basically been there. Uh, and so the other thing he asked, so what's the second thing? The guy said, trucks. He said, everybody drives a truck, everybody's moving something or pulling something heavy in the United States. I thought that was interesting. So those are the two <laughs> things. But what's interesting about this professor is that he contrasted American optimism or American hope next to kind of what their own country is like, right, is hopeful. Maybe they they believe more in like Murphy's Law, which is somewhat true. You know about Murphy's Law, right? What can go wrong will go wrong. That's pretty much Murphy's Law. What will go wrong probably, what can go wrong probably will go wrong. And so in other words, right, what Left to themselves, things tend to go from bad to worse. If everything seems to be going well, you've obviously overlooked something. Mm-hmm. And nothing is as easy as it looked. Now, I want to I share with you about something I heard the other day. It's kind of been bothering me a little bit. Um, I was listening to the radio, and it wouldn't bother me, but it's Christian radio, and they kind of did a segment, and they asked, right, what is, what is Christmas about? And most of the people who responded said family, and I was like, okay, well, into end of this segment, what would happen is that somebody would kind of come on, and they would just kind of conclude it, like in a really nice and kind way, like, oh yeah, I'm glad we, like, we love our families, and family is a wonderful thing, God gives us our families, and we go into that, but you know, Christmas is, is about Christ. But that didn't happen. The, the DJs were like, yeah, Christmas is about family, and aren't you glad, you know, you get to spend all the time in this family? So they kind of just, instead of kind of talking about what Christmas is about, they started talking, uh, talking about family. And don't get me wrong, like, I love family. We're going to leave, right? It's before, but we're, we're going to leave for about a week after Christmas. Somebody watch our house for us, all right? We're going we're gonna to leave after Christmas, and we are just going to spend time with family. Like, no agenda except to watch Ohio State and Clemson that Saturday we are gone. That's what I told my mother-in-law. Like, we'll, we'll just, whatever you guys want to do, but Saturday night, the 28th, we're going to watch Ohio State hopefully be Clemson. <laughs> but it bothered me, right, for, for this reason, because you tell me, um, right? Like what can go wrong in families will go wrong, right? Can I, can I get amen? amen. Right. Amen. All right. What what can go wrong in families will go wrong, and so here's what Christmas parties look like. You go to your Christmas party, and your brother is there, your your sister is there, and they're they're going through marital issues. Your 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 brother and your aunt is there, and she's put on a happy face, but she is struggling, right? Because one of her children just couldn't make it this year to the Christmas party. Your uncle just continues to kind of do his thing that he's done for the past couple years, and he just continue to drink and drink because he lost his job a few years ago, and all he does is talk about the past who is struggling because she realizes that grandpa will never be at another Christmas party. If, Even with good intentions, right? If you make Christmas about them, you do them a disservice. Christmas is about so much more than that. Christmas is about giving them hope, giving them something to look forward to, reminding them, that even though winter has come and it's here, right? they have something bigger and better than their family that is going to come alongside of them. Because Christmas is just a band-aid if we just make it about family. Enjoy your family if you even have family around this time of year. But we need to make Christmas about Christ because we need hope to persevere. And without, without Christ, we really are hopeless. Right? Everybody knows how this life ends. Right? That it ends in victory, if you know him. And so we build our life on Christ, right? We remember the song, my hope is built on nothing less. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You see, because if we lose hope, if if we forget what, Christmas is about and what it's pointing to, what we will do is you will remain in a winter forever. The reason I showed the song, um, even in our church, and this was the movie, it's actually a book, you can read the book too, um, The Chronicles of Narnia. And if you've read the book or if you've seen the movie, uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, uh, what happens is that Lucy stumbles. She, she stumbles through the back of this wardrobe. And as she stumbles through the back of the wardrobe, what happens is she finds herself then in this land. Gonna just turn that light off for me, okay? Number, two. in this kind of winter wonderland. And this fawn shows up. His name is Mr. Tumnus. And Mr. Tumnus takes her back to kind of his place. And as he takes her back to his place, they begin to talk and they strike up a conversation. And it goes something like this because he's complaining about it being winter all the time. And Lucy asks Mr. Tumnus. She goes, "So, what's so wrong with winter? There's snowball fights, there's ice skating, and Christmas." To which Mr. Tumnus replies gloomily, "Not Christmas here. Only winter for a hundred years. It's winter, but never Christmas." Now, Mr. Tumnus is a depressed figure in this show. And he actually brought Lucy back to his place so that he could turn Lucy over to the, to the white witch because the white witch kind of has him under his spell and she's, he's just going to remain in winter and he's kind of afraid of the white witch. Well, so he put out a leave and so Lucy leaves Narnia. She goes back out through the wardrobe kind of where she came in and she tells, it to her, tells a story to her siblings. Of course, they don't believe her. But eventually, long story short, she ends up coming back through the wardrobe with all of her siblings. And as they come back through the wardrobe and all of their, with all their siblings and they enter into this new land, they're kind of seen in two different lights. From the people who are all under the white witch's spell, who all have just kind of resigned themselves to being a part of winter for the rest of their lives and for the rest of eternity, they, they, they see sisters as a threat to winter. But for those who believe in Aslan, which is the godlike figure, the Christlike figure— these people are heroes. These people are going to help them get rid of winter and kind of move forward and live in a better and, and uh, uh, bigger kingdom uh, with, with hope and so forth. And so what happens is that the siblings all end up uh, meeting Aslan. And what Aslan does is more than that, he then commissions them that they are going to be the new kings and queens of Narnia, that they are going to be the ones that that bring hope to this land and help kind of rule the land and, and remind people of the greatness of Aslan. Well, the truth is, is you, you are to do the same. So when you, you think about your families, whether it be your children or your extended family or any of these parties or anything like that, just this time of year, you are to be the type of people who bring hope to other people. You are to be the type of people that that others look at and go, there's something different about them. They actually believe in this Christmas thing. They are actually filled with hope. They actually believe that I can persevere, that I can make it, that they're going to make it. Do you believe that? Is is that who you are, right? Is that what God is doing in your life? If it's not, you've already just gone over is one that God loves you. God really loves you, no matter what you're going through, no matter if you're stuck in a winter. You need to believe that this is not your eternal home. That Jesus is going to redeem everything that is around you. He's going to right every wrong. And you need to believe, because of that, that you have a hope and that you have a future uh, that you may be going through whatever you're going through right now because God is at work in your life. Think of J- James uh, 1, who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test of time, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. That's about you. That's to you. So believe those things about yourself. Now I'm just going to give you a challenge as we go from here because you are to be the people that take hope to other people. And So here are some challenges for you over the next week. And really over the next year, right, if you aren't practicing some of these things, because these are all things that we need to do to take hope to other people, to remind them that they should perse- begin volunteering this next year or here in the near future at a local food at one of our pantries. We actually have two pantries. Yep. And so there's Joanne's Pantry, and then the Breckmackers often su- also serve food uh, every month, too to people who need it. Um, Maybe you want to volunteer at the local library, even a school, to help kids learn how to read. Maybe, you know, you you need to visit a nursing home uh, to see people who are lonely this time of year, who have very little hope. A list of some of our shut-ins. It's a great time of year to do that. Uh, What about um, collecting? We've been collecting blankets, thanks to George and others, um, that we're going to give out. And so maybe you want to start something like that uh, yourself. Uh, maybe something just as simple as taking cookies to your neighbor and wishing them Merry Christmas. Uh, sometimes neighbor, being friendly with their neighbors has, has kind of stopped to a certain extent in a lot of areas. and So I want to encourage you uh, to reach out to people that you think and through the way that you act and through the way that you behave. That you have hope because Christ is in you and Christ is for you and Christ is moving you in a direction closer to him. Let us pray. Father, this morning, we come to you and we give you praise and thanks because you are a God who has given us a reason to hope. Many people are hopeless and we are not without hope. I pray this morning that as we are here, Father, to to remind us that no matter if winter comes our way, you promise that summer is coming, that you promise that spring is coming, that that there will be seasons that we will plow, that there will be seasons that we will grow, and there will be seasons that we will harvest even in the midst of our struggle. I pray, Father, that if somebody is here this morning and they need your power to persevere, that you help them to do that right now at this time. I pray that you help us, too, to be people who help. Maybe really simple, Father, maybe we just visit somebody who needs visited this time of year, who are lonely and hurting and depressed. It may be... Making cookies for our neighbors and taking our children to go see them because they live away from their grandchildren or their grandchildren have moved away. And maybe buying gifts for those who don't have the means to do it themselves. Whatever it be, Father, I pray you just lay it up that we are reminded that wherever we go, you go. And so let us remember that. I ask at this time, Father, that as we continue to worship you, that you continue to fill our hearts with your hope. As in Christ's name we pray, amen.